Um, so just a little recap. Chapter 1 and 2, you have um, Naomi's family. They move, go to Moab. Um, the men die. She ends up taking one daughter-in-law, Ruth, back to her hometown. Um, so one of the highlights of that is uh, when Naomi tells her daughter-in-laws to go back to their home. Um, that stood out to me is she does this because she could end up homeless or sold into slavery. She tells her daughters-in-law to return to their parents so they have a chance to remarry and have a better life. Okay, which I thought was a big thing that stood out to me um, about how selfless Ruth was, that she was willing to, no matter what Naomi was going to go through, that she was going to be with her all the way. Um, so then we have them... In chapter 2, they're in their hometown. Uh, Ruth is looking for, um, sorry, I'm trying to skim through the notes and find everything I just wanted to talk about. She ends up going to the field. Um, and we talked about that as a field owner, you have an obligation to leave the outer bits of uh, your wheat or harvest, um, to not pick up what's dropped or left over because that is meant for the poor. Uh, and if you would like to look at that, uh, that's in Leviticus 19, 9 through 10. Okay, and it just talks about the obligation that they have to, to help take care of the poor, which I found was very interesting uh, that God would have that for his people, that he wants them to look after each other. He wants them to have a good heart. Um, and that kind of shows us kind of what we need to follow, that we should be doing things to serve others, to help others. Okay, some of the servant qualities we talked about last week. We have uh, Ruth, her loyalty, selfless, love, hardworking. Um, I don't think we talked about obedience. In chapter 2, toward the end, Naomi has her, um, gives her some instruction. And just that Ruth has obedience, which is compliance with an order, request, or law. Or submission to another's authority. And I think um, we can kind of look at today and kind of see that there's not a lot of that or not as much of that going on. And we, as, as children of God, need to make sure we're being obedient. Um, there's just, there's so much good that can be done when you're following God. Okay, so we're going to start in... Chapter 3. And I'm reading from the NIV this time because on my phone I was like, my eyes were going up and down. I was like, whoa, this is hard to scroll and read. <laughs> um, okay, so chapter 3. 
One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley and on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor but do not let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. So right there again, you see that obedience happening. Um, uh, so, what are some of the actions that Naomi tells Ruth to take in, the, in those first few verses? This is where you guys get to speak up. I know it's Sunday morning and everyone's still trying to wake up. You told her to get cleaned up and look her best. Yes. Um, and... Part of that is because she had a husband that died. Um, this is kind of getting over that mourning period. She's not grieving for her husband anymore, showing that she is available for marriage. Um, well, in that culture, too, being married and having kids was a woman's That was very important. It, yes, it was very important. Um, so we're in Ruth chapter 3, verse 7. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, uh, something startled the men. And he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you, uh, which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor, and now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. Uh, all my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Does yours, uh, if you have an ESV or different version, does it say something other than noble character? Worthy woman. Um, so we're going to, that's where Proverbs comes in, if you'll read that for me. I'm going to read that? Yes. Okay. I'm going to move up here so you can hear it better. Okay. Ten through the end of the chapter? Or? Yes. A wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. 
She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many we women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Know that you are a woman of noble character. I mean, those kind of go hand in hand right there. If you're looking at Ruth and how she's behaved just in these first couple of chapters, uh, that describes her. I mean, it's spot on. I mean, it makes you wonder if they were like, hey, let's do some writing about Ruth. <laughs> um, and I love that. I love that part of um Proverbs. Uh, it's one of my favorites because I always want to be like that. And, and I think all of us look at that and want to try to be like that. Um, so, yay Ruth. I mean, she's like spot on. They're calling her a woman of noble character. Um, she was beautiful. And he praises her for not going after younger men. I, yeah. She could have... Had someone maybe that was um, better looking or at least younger her age. I don't know. Yeah, and they don't give you specifics, but you wonder, you know, how how much of an age difference is there between right. them? And um, yeah, and how come Boaz doesn't have a wife already? Yeah. But um, I don't know if you've ever noticed. Um, Sometimes if you meet, and this happens more with um, women meeting men, is they might not be as handsome as maybe, say, the other guy, but if they have those good qualities that really makes them shine, and I think women really look at that. But we also need to be like that, too. Um, not so much about our outward appearance, and making ourselves shine because of, of the Bible and what's in our hearts. Um, so, if you look right there in verse... Uh, uh, nine, where Ruth uh, tells him, Spread the corner of your garment over me. Um, the... It's kind of a weird 
situation right there, I, I used to look at that and I was like, what is going on? I don't think I would ever crawl in there and lay at some, some guy's feet. And, but it's kind of a, um, an, an idiom that represents marriage. And it's just a very, it's a very different time. Um, we, we don't do things like that. <laughs> In my version, it says spread your wings over. And when I think of someone, like a bird, putting their wing over, like they're, like to, it's like yeah. a protection. Like whenever I see that image, I feel like that's, you know, put your protection over me, take care of me kind of thing. Yes. Um, okay, so now we're down to verse 12. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning. If he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. So even right there, you see that he's trying to protect her, trying, trying to um, make sure that she's not given a reputation that would not be good. <laughs> he also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So again, that, I, that tells you a little bit more about Boaz and his character and that he is um, dedicated to getting, getting this solved. Um, real quick, I'm going to back up a little bit. I forgot to mention earlier when we were recapping a little bit about Kinsman Redeemer. So uh, Kinsman Redeemer um, needs a few things to be able to do that. One is they have to be a blood relative. Uh, two is they have to be able to redeem. They have to have the money to do it. And three is they have to be free of the need to be redeemed themselves. They can't be a slave to be able to redeem someone. Okay. Um, and in reading through chapter three, you can see that he is none of he can cover all of those bases, he can be a kinsman redeemer. Um, okay, so we're going to move on to chapter 4. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. When the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to her, her, our brother Elimelech. 
I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. Uh, I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth, the Moabites, uh, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. Okay, so right there, they're trying to figure out the situation. Um, you can, we talked earlier also about the year of Jubilee, um, and it was every 50 years. Uh, I went back and rechecked that and just had a typo, and, and I kept wanting to say the wrong number. I was like, no, it says right here 50. Anyways, um, I was hoping Susan would be here so she could get a round of applause. <laughs> but uh, So when they had property every 50 years, it went back to the family. So even if you sold it off, it would go back after that 50 years. Um, that's part of the reason why you need the family members it, uh, to carry on the name and why... Um, you need the kinsman redeemer. Usually it would be a brother, but Naomi's sons both died, so then it's probably most likely the closest would be like a cousin, maybe an uncle. I mean, he is older. He could maybe be an uncle. Uh, so um, one of the things about doing that is that you have, to, you have to know that that property is eventually not going to be yours. It's going to go back to the family. Um, and that just shows how selfless you have to be to be able to be a kinsman redeemer. Um, to know that you're not, you're not buying this property. It's not like it is here in America where you go buy a piece of property and that's yours and, until you die or sell it. Um, it didn't work like that back then. Um, okay, so uh, chapter, or sorry, verse 6. At this time, the kinsman redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Uh, verse 7. This, this is an interesting verse to me. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption, the transfer of property did become final. One party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transaction in Israel. Um, that's interesting to me because even at the time that this is being written, that's not something that they are doing anymore. Um, that's a little side note of something that they did in history already. Um, so, I don't know if you guys have looked at it that way, but I just found that interesting. So, the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have brought for Naomi, 
all the that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. Um, so, a couple of things right there uh, that I just, I just think is such a, an interesting thing. We're talking about Ruth and her servant qualities, but there's a lot of servant qualities you can see in Boaz, too. And I think um, this is a great story for even men to read through and to see what they can learn and how they can serve others um, because he gives a lot of great examples right there just his willing to be selfless and protect and just to take care of these two women and keep them from being in poverty uh, verse 11 and the elders and all those at the gate said we are witnesses May the Lord make the, the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who, built, uh, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you uh, by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez whom Tamar bore to Judah. Um, so this is, I mean, the elders are telling Boaz that, that they hope that he is like these people, and these people are important in the Bible. We know Rachel and Leah um, had the 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel. We know how important they are uh, in the history. Uh, not as well known as... Um, Tamar, who has Perez, so I'm just going to give a little recap of that. If you would like to read it on your own, you can find it in Genesis 38. Uh, so Judah finds a wife for his oldest son named Tamar. He was wicked, and God put him to death. The second son is supposed to have a child with Tamar, so the brother's line can continue. He didn't want, to, want her to have a child that would not be his. So he made his own plan, so that wouldn't happen. Okay, so right there you see the brothers definitely not following what God has deemed them to do. Um, God put him to death. The third brother was younger. Judah has Tamar wait and live as a widow, widow with her father out of the house, away from the son, <laughs> um, until he's old enough. That doesn't happen, um, and she's kind of over there like, I've been waiting for years. <laughs> and Tamar uh, goes to live with her father. Time passes. When she finds out her father-in-law is going to travel near where she's at, um, she takes off her widow clothing, and she covers her face. So Judah ends up thinking that she's a prostitute. 
he gives her a seal, a cord, and a staff until payment can be given. Uh, Judah later tries to pay her but can't find her. He later finds out that Tamar is uh, with child and then wants to have her burned to death. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty harsh right there. Uh, she presents the cord, the seal, and the staff showing that she became pregnant by Judah. Um, it's, it's a very strange story because we do not do any of that anymore. We don't, if we become a widow, we don't go and with our husband's brother and um, try to have children. That's just not how our society works at all. But that's what they did then. Um, and as I said, it had to do with family. As you can see, one of the sons didn't want to have a son with her for the older brother um, because then that property belongs to that son and would not belong to him. Uh, but Judah ends up telling Tamar that she is more righteous than him because, she, because he wouldn't give the youngest son to her to have a boy to take that property that should be long to the oldest son. Okay, and the baby that's born, that's Perez. That's who we see here um, in the verse um, when the elders say, May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Okay, uh, so that's just a little recap of that story. Like I said, if you'd like to read it on your own, it's in Genesis 38. Uh, God blesses Naomi and Ruth, who in the beginning came in poor and in need, and get, I mean, gives it, I mean, gives her a lot, both of them a lot. Well, they were pretty destitute. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they were. But and, Boaz is also going to get a beautiful wife and kids. Uh, I mean, they did get money, but he's going to get what he wanted also. That's true. So. Yeah. Uh, because at this point, he doesn't have a wife. He doesn't have anyone for his property either. Um, okay, let's look at verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Then he went to her, and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, or the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Uh, that's, and I have that underlined in my Bible. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him life. Uh, that's like, wow. I mean, that just so much going on with Ruth and 
and what she has done for Naomi. Um, because seven sons can do a lot of work, can't they? I mean... <laughs> Uh, and you also see he'll renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Uh, women, they needed sons to help take care of them as they're older. Um, that's, that's how their life was back then. I mean, even now, we need people to take care of us when we're older. Uh, we're just fortunate enough that if, if nothing else, we have facilities where people are paid to take care of us. But hopefully we all will have um, family members or children that are willing to help take care of us as we get older. Uh, and that's another servant quality right there that we want to have and to teach our children is um, help take care of the older people. Uh, you know, if somebody needs their yard raked with leaves, you know, take the time to go do that. Uh, verse 16, then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse and the, fa the father of David. So now we're getting into uh, genealogy here, um, and that's a, it's a big line of genealogy right there because we know what happens with David. He becomes the, the king. Uh, uh, this is the family line of Perez. Perez has the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of uh, Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. Uh, and then who comes next in that line? Well, maybe not next, but down the line. We know who comes from. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. So That's interesting, Did. Back in um, verse 11, it mentions and be famous in Bethlehem. Yes. Where Jesus was born. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, we're, let's do it. Hopefully, you guys are willing to talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit. <laughs> Come on, don't leave me hanging up here. <laughs> um, what are some difficult times God has turned into something amazing? And it can be with yourself. It can maybe be with someone that you've um, known or you don't have to say names or anything. But what is something difficult God has turned into something amazing? I've been widowed. And now I'm married to a wonderful man that I've known for 34 years. So... God brought me through a really difficult time when my husband had dementia. Yeah. Now I'm married to a sports addict. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be 79 in November and he's still playing ball. And I was getting hurt. <laughs> Five years ago this month is when he got ran over by the golf cart and lived to tell about it. <laughs> well, 
God's not through with Mel. I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, he's already his nine lives. He's going to have to retire. Yeah, he just, he just played in a tournament in Columbia, Missouri. I stayed home to let my knee rest, and he played like six games in two days or something like that, which is ridiculous at their age. He's happy. I guess he's going to die he's on the ball field, but he's going to die happy. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say too much compared to whatever base he's closest to. <laughs> he's a character. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Anyone else want to share something? I was thinking about uh, my mother-in-law was really a neat lady. But when she got married, she... Her, uh, Dwayne's uh, dad was a twin. So when they got married, they went to live in their house. She stayed in, she and Alan stayed in the same room as the twin brother. Can you imagine? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> For how long? That wasn't well, difficult. <laughs> was rough, and so, and then um, his, his mother, Alvin's mother, was not the uh, cleanest person. You know, the different time when people stored things differently and, oh. and they, you know, she'd fix a meal and pull out the, the flour and it'd have pellets in it, you know. <laughs> and so Jill was going, his mother's just, just this is terrible. And so, um, you know, she, she worked through it and she stayed there for as long as they could and they finally moved. Finally, okay. Oh, gosh, she... Did it, but you know, a different time, you do what you have to do. So, but anyway, the point is that when I became a law, she was determined to be a great mother-in-law. And she was. <laughs> she didn't, she didn't. Because we went to live with them. But, you know, of course, he didn't have the other brother. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but she did, she took, you know, everything that, we need let us stay for as long as we need it till he, he got a job and stuff. So <laughs> the contrast is quite dramatic. <laughs> but she was a great mother in law, which is what I'd like to be as a great mother in law. Although I've never had you come to stay. <laughs> we lived with my parents for a while. That was plenty. <laughs> that was enough. Um, that, that was, it is very hard to live with other people, especially once you've been married. Um, so years ago, we lived, Todd and I lived here in Choctaw, um, and we decided we're going to sell our house, and we picked up and moved into a little cabin out on my parents' property way out in the country, and way out in the country. Um, and it wasn't quite finished, because it this cabin, let me tell you, this cabin was like 800 square feet, one bathroom. Um, so we were adding on a bedroom, so we'd have just a little more room. And because it wasn't finished when we sold our house, we had to live with my parents for five, six months. And it was very hard to live with other people. I, I love my parents, but... You know, once you grow up, you kind of do things your own way. You have a certain way that you run your house and do things. And, um, yeah, so that was that was hard. And it was probably hard on them, too. I mean, I tried to be as thoughtful as I could, but, um, yeah, it's just hard to live with other people. 
Especially if they do the toilet paper the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Mel insists it goes over the top, so I, I gave up that battle. You learn to choose your battles. <laughs> I thought I was the only one that had that battle. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I look back at that, and that was a hard time. But then, you know, we got to move into the house next door and... Um, it took eight long years, but we scraped and saved and ended up back in the Choctaw area um, buying a place. And, you know, so sometimes you don't see things for a lot of years, but um, there are good things. And I think God, you know, He just, if you are really seeking Him and you are really trying to serve Him, and I think God just really wants good things for us. And he is trying to work that into our lives if we will allow him to do that. Um, and sometimes be patient. Like I said, it was eight years before we found a house that we could um, move into. And that, that's a long time. That was a long wait. And in our society, we want it yesterday. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We want it. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's true. Um, so I think if we are seeking God's will... Um, he will bless us beyond measure. Um, but I think that keyword seek, we have to be we have to be looking for him and looking for what we can do. And one of the ways that we can seek him is through service and serving others. Um, I know we've already talked about some of these, but each chapter in Ruth, it shows these same servant qualities in Ruth over and over. Um, we see her loyalty. And I think that's a big one because I think uh, now in our society, loyalty is a hard thing to come by. And that um, we need to let our yeses be yeses and our noes be no. You know, um, If we say we're going to do something, we need to try everything in our power to do it. Um, we also see, we see how selfless she is. I mean, she gives up everything. She could go back and remarry, and she stays with Naomi, no matter what she's going through. She doesn't know that there's going to be a Boaz. She has no idea when she starts off this journey. Um, so I think, especially in our society, we everything is fast-paced. Everything is right this minute. Um, and we just kind of need to slow down and say, okay, what can I do for someone else today? Maybe it's your husband, maybe it's your child, maybe it's your neighbor, maybe it's a mother or a mother-in-law. Um, but just seeking out opportunities to help someone else. And it's not always easy because I know with my time, I'm like, man, I only have 30 minutes um, I really want to go do this, but you know what? Someone needs a meal or someone needs a card, you know, and taking the time to do some little things like that, um, I think can go a long way. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed when, when I start struggling with, oh man, nobody, woe is me, nobody thought about me today, me, me, me and I quit doing that, 
and start looking, okay, you know what? I need to quit my pity party. What can I do for someone else? And when I start looking at those things, um, I feel better. I don't know about you, but I, I quit the woe is me um, when I am looking for things to do for other people. Uh, you're, you're a good example. I know you probably won't. She does so many things behind the scenes that you all don't know about. She takes food to people and visits people, and you don't hear about it because she doesn't tell anybody, but she's always doing some little quiet thing behind the scenes. Really. And that's really as it should be. Yeah. Never teach her more. Yeah, right. no. She never, ever, you don't have a what she does. Yeah. And it's all in a quiet little off to the side kind of thing. And she's setting a wonderful example for those daughters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember that. Go, girl. <laughs> um, okay, real quick, um, and then we're going to be finished. And the Bible Project, I thought, I just thought this little tidbit in the Bible Project over the Book of Ruth was really good. Um, it's a seemingly mundane events in this story that are woven into God's grand story of redemption for the whole world. The small story of Ruth is taken up in the larger story of God's purpose, and in this way, the book of Ruth invites us to consider how God might be at work in our own lives as well. Um, we also talked about uh, things about for a Redeemer. Jesus definitely fits all of those qualities. I mean, he was uh, he he's a blood relative, right? He came, he was flesh. Um, he has to be able to redeem. He has to be able to pay. He was able to do that. And um, he has to be free of the need to be redeemed himself. So he was he was not a slave. He was he was able to redeem us. Um, so I thought it was interesting kind of the parallel of this story talking about being redeemed and, and Jesus in there too. Because we can look at that um, and it's just kind of like, wow. That's you know, breaking it down like that, it just kind of makes it like, wow, we are just we always think, wow, Jesus did this for us, but then when you look at the quality of kinsman redeemer, it's just, it amazes me. 